Blazers City, Portland, Blazers Nation, this is Jack Winter, you're listening to Talking Trailblazers, it is Monday, February 7th, and believe it or not, we are not going to be talking much about the Blazers losing five straight games, falling to 21-33 and 33 in the standings, and being out of play-in range, out of play-in range as the All-Star break fast approaches here. The Blazers are 11th in the Western Conference, a half game back of the New Orleans Pelicans. But again, that is not what we're going to focus on, uh, despite the, frankly, uh, depressing nature of Portland's recent losses, including two losses to the lowly Oklahoma City Thunder last week, who've actually been playing better, um, though they've they were out, though they were without Shea Gildas Alexander for each of those games. That kind of tells you uh, just how dire Portland's on court straights have been here of late. But again, that is not what we're discussing because that's not the biggest news of the day. Uh, certainly in Rip City, and certainly not in the NBA with the trade deadline coming on Thursday. And the Blazers tipped it off in stunning fashion last Friday, February 4th, with a trade with the LA Clippers, the terms of which were Norman Powell and Robert Covington to LA in exchange for Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and a 2025 second round pick coming from the Detroit Pistons. Obviously, this deal isn't about the present. Both Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups copped to this trade being most about flexibility. It's, a, it's obviously very telling when even uh, when even the team can't put positive spin on incoming versus outgoing talent in a trade, and neither of the neither of the Blazers' head honchos Cronin and Billups even tried to do that uh, with respect to this deal that that sent Covington and Powell to L.A. This trade was first and foremost about money. That's what Cronin and Billups meant when they talked about flexibility. The Blazers clear $3.9 million in salary in this deal, ducking the luxury, ducking the luxury tax by $900,000, by just over $900,000 this season. Now, Jody Allen's not only not going to be paying a few million dollars in tax payments, but the Blazers will now be subject to the largest distribution of tax payouts in league history. That's what's coming this season for non-tax paying teams. And you can thank the Golden State Warriors, Brooklyn Nets, and of course, the LA Clippers for that. Steve Ballmer actually took on about $25 million. I'll say that again, $25 million in in additional luxury tax payments this season uh, just by acquiring Powell and Covington. Uh, Sure would be nice to have have an owner an owner like Bomber in Portland. Um, but it wasn't just about the money this season for uh, for the Blazers either. Getting off the $74 million owed to Powell through 2025-26 increases Portland's long-term flexibility and makes them cheaper next season. And the key to next season, Bled- Eric Bledsoe's $9.5 million salary is guaranteed for just $3.9 million. And don't forget, this is also about tanking. Portland keeps its pick if it falls outside the lottery, this season, uh, they sent their 2022 first-rounder lottery-protected to the Chicago Bulls as part of the Larry Nance Jr. trade. And remember, this also clears a path for Ant- Anthony Simons' extension this summer, and it also clears a path for Anthony Simons and Nasir Little to level up um, in the Blazers' organizational pecking order. And that's what Chauncey Billups discussed uh after the trade was consummated on Friday before a second loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's go to that audio. Well, we started the whole season, obviously, without before Ant even uh, took off. We were already guard heavy. Um, so, you know, we, we already had that issue. And then, you know, Ant's explosion uh, 
kind of validated it, you know. So um, happy and really, really happy for him. But when you have a guy that can blow up like that, and even Nas, man, you know, and even Nas, I mean, we can't uh, not talk about what he, he's been able to do, too. He plays in some of those spots as well. So uh, those young boys kind of blowing up, you know, that, you know, that, that changes things for you sometimes. There's no overwhelmingly positive asset for Portland in this trade. You obviously don't need me to tell you that, but it's it's worth reiterating. Bledsoe could still be traded before the deadline if he's not aggregated. There are some league rules preventing, preventing recently traded players um, from being put into deals that include other players. He could be traded straight up for another player along with picks, but not in a deal that uh, not in a deal that includes each multiple players from each team. Um, but even if he's not traded by the, by the deadline on, on Thursday, on Thursday afternoon, he, his contract would definitely provide some value as a trade piece this summer due to that non-guarantee on, on his deal next season. Portland will no doubt try to trade him by Thursday, but it seems likely they will keep him through the summer and then waive him if they can't find waive him before next season if they can't find a trade partner for him. Justice Winslow adds a little bit of lineup versatility for Portland. He has experience playing small ball five, uh, dating back to his days in Miami, but also with the Clippers this season, a former lottery pick, he really did look like a, a foundational building block bef- for Miami before getting injured and since really hasn't been able to refine his footing in the NBA. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's a complete non-shooter and he isn't quite the athlete he once was. Um, and those finishing numbers are a little better this season. He's never been a great finisher. He's not an, a, he's not an explosive athlete and I'm going to get on top of the rim and put a lot of pressure on the rim. Again, he's a good defender. Uh, he's very strong, pretty quick feet, and also a very good passer. He can do some, uh, can do some ancillary ball handling for you, especially with Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons working off the ball. But more than anything, he was included in this deal for salary purposes. Uh, and his $4.1 million salary next season that's expiring could be useful as salary ballast in future trades for the Blazers. But if there's a real prize for Portland here, it's definitely Keon Johnson, who the Blazers seem to have a first-round grade on. Or at least that's the charitable view here. Johnson is 19 years old, 6'5", weighing 185 with a wingspan just over 6'7". That's a little disappointing. You'd want his wingspan to be a little longer. He was the 21st overall pick in last year's draft, and, and this, is, this is certainly something Blazers fans will, will want to know. Recorded a 48-inch vertical and the third fastest sprint time at the NBA Combine last summer. Uh, He started 17 of 27 games at Tennessee as a freshman, and he averaged 11.3 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 1.1 steals per game, shooting 44.9% overall, 13 of 48 from three. That's 27%, pretty low volume, and also 70.3% at the line. He was the number 23 uh, consensus prospect in the class of in the class of 2020. Pretty highly rated, uh, but he. His future was always considered brighter than his present. He was actually considered a potential top 10 pick uh, by some scouting outlets coming into the year and then even after his lone collegiate season started. But as a rookie, he has mostly been in the G League this season other than getting mop-up minutes with the Clippers. But in the G League, that's been uh, been the the most telling part of Johnson's rookie year. In seven games, he's averaged 15.4 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 3.1 assists, in addition to a whopping 4.4 turnovers per game, shooting just 37.2% overall and 31% from beyond the arc. Now, 
you got to take those numbers with a grain of salt. After the Aguacaliente Clippers, Johnson has really taken on a a, a playmaking a playmaking role, a primary ball handling role that he will never occupy in the NBA. He's just been exploring the studio space down there in the G League. Um, he's trying to expand his skill set, and that's that's certainly the right thing to do for a for a prospect as raw as Johnson is when he goes down to the G League. But again, that's not going to be his role in the NBA, even if it all works out. He will not be a primary ball handler. What he's known for is his defense, his hustle, and that athleticism we mentioned uh, with those jaw-dropping combine numbers, 48-inch vertical. Again, that's a record, uh, and, it, and it beats one that had stood for, I believe, more than 20 years. Uh, as a prospect, uh, and just kind of as a flyer here for Portland, Johnson is not totally dissimilar to Nasir Little, um, but instead of instead of being more of a three four, more of a wing like Little is, Johnson again is more of a two three, and perhaps just more of a two. Now he just lacks that versatility that makes him uh, would that would make him that much more valuable as a prospect uh, being on the wing. He's more of a guard defender. Some people really like him, but it is telling that Brandon Boston. He was a second round pick for the Clippers, I believe, number fifty one. He's been much better for the Clippers this season. He was better in the G League, and then he almost immediately usurp Johnson in the organizational pecking order in with the Clippers, even uh, with Boston, even getting some regular season minutes here recently. But Chauncey Billups certainly seems fond of Keon Johnson, even if he's not exactly sure what the rookie will end up being as a player. Here's what Chauncey had to say on the Blazers new guard prospect. Well, he's a, he's a baby, man. He's a baby. He's really, really young and he's an incredible, incredible athlete. Um, He's he likes to defend. You know, he takes some pride in defending at a young age. That's a special talent to have is to actually want to guard. Um, but I think he's so young that you know you can you can mold him. You know, it's like Plato. You know, you you get him young enough where you can really kind of mold him into being the type of player that you need. You know. There was an assumption that Portland could get a future first-round pick if they were trading Powell at the trade deadline. But instead, they got a rookie first-rounder who hasn't lived up to his draft excuse me, who hasn't lived up to his draft slot for both Powell and Covington. All of which begs the question, was Norrin Powell negative value on the deal he signed with the Blazers in August? You have to assume the front office did their due diligence on Norm and took the best deal possible. Uh, for trading him. But moving both Norm and Covington in that trade brought back nothing but financial flexibility and a rookie project. That's an incredibly tough pill for Portland to swallow, especially while Gary Trent Jr. thrives in Toronto. There's just no other way to swing it. Rip City has not been happy with the return on this trade. And, and again, and again, rightfully so. This is not what the Blazers, uh, you would have expected the Blazers to get if they were trading both Powell and Covington in the same deal. However, the good news is that all reporting indicates Portland isn't done making moves before Thursday afternoon's deadline. If this is the first deal in a series of multiple trades, it will almost certainly look better than it does by itself right now. And as the Blazers continue shaping the roster, Chauncey Billups talked about the type of team Portland is hoping to build. First up, establishing an identity. Yeah, I think, uh, Jason, a lot of it is, you know, most most championships, every championship team has an identity. Um, and some of them are different. You know, obviously, so you have to start there and you, you have to try to create 
and build some type of identity. I think that we've done that. We, we're, we're working on that this year, on how we want to play, uh, ways that we want to play. Uh, you guys know that I'm, I'm big on, like, um, I think all really good teams are tough and really competitive. And um, those are some of the things that, you know, and ways that we want to build our, you know, build our culture here. Portland's longtime identity obviously wasn't working, at least with respect to championship contention. And what's their surest means of establishing a new one? If you've been listening to Talking Trailblazers and reading my work at Clutch Points, you will not be surprised to hear me say again that it's trading C.J. McCollum. And fortunately for the Blazers and fans who have been hoping for a long time that the Blazers trade C.J. as they uh, as they embark on a, on a retool of sorts at the trade deadline and heading into next season. There are numerous reports indicating Portland is looking to trade C.J. before Thursday, and that is what we will dive into in the second half of the show. This is Talking Trailblazers. Thanks for listening. We will be right back. We are back. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points. And this is Talking Trailblazers on the second half of this week's show, trade deadline episode. If you will, we want to talk about the prospect of a C.J. McCollum trade. And that possibility seems to be heating up as Thursday approaches. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski even just went on television and indicated that McCollum is indeed being shopped to multiple teams, multiple teams ahead of Thursday's trade deadline, and that's what we want to discuss. Now, remember, both Phillips and Cronin talked about increasing long-term financial flexibility and better allocating Portland's financial resources across the roster going forward as justification for the Blazers' trade with the Clippers. Obviously, that is... Those talking points are, aren't an indicator that the Blazers plan on keeping CJ and combined with, again, so many, so many rumors about teams being interested in CJ, it seems like Portland is indeed going to try to trade McCollum before Thursday. But there are challenges to trading CJ. Remember, the Blazers don't want to take back more than 900000 $900,000 in salary and any additional deals so they can stay below the luxury tax. It's also hard for interested teams to match McCollum's $30.8 million salary, especially with players they'd be comfortable moving and Portland wants. And then this is probably the biggest question, especially in wake of Powell being dealt and then Karis Levert being traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers yesterday. It's what is C.J. McCollum's value, and how motivated is Portland to move him? Norm's treated as a negative to neutral value on a longer-term deal, and C.J. is older, less versatile, and do $68 million over the next two seasons. So just absolutely keep all that stuff in mind as we get into these theoretical trade discussions regarding McCollum. It bears mentioning that I'm inclined to believe that CJ is close to a negative value on his current contract. But again, in wake of a highly criticized deal, in wake of their highly criticized deal with the Clippers, agreeing to a trade that brings back a similar value for CJ might be very tough for the front office to do right now. But there are many incentives to do it. The big one of the biggest ones is that it's Anthony Simon's time in Portland. His growth is most is the most important part of this team both right now and going forward. The Blazers do not want to have to commit $85 million in salary next season to Dame, CJ, and Ant, and that is about what 
they would be committed to if Simon's if Simon's contract and restricted free agency comes in at about $20 million annually. And remember, and this is the biggest thing, there is no better way for the Blazers to hit reset in terms of style and culture and overall identity than moving away from the Dame and CJ backcourt. I have been of the opinion that the Blazers should trade McCollum for honestly for years now, but certainly after both Simons and Gary Trent Jr. started showing out at the beginning of last season. And it seems like we're finally there. So let's get into these rumors. Let's dive into these rumors that have been propping up over the last few days. And really there have been more propping up here in the last 24 hours. The most recent ones have come from independent NBA reporter Mark Stein highly suggests subscribing to his newsletter. And he says that two rival teams believe the New York Knicks have emerged as legitimate trade suitors for CJ. Now I find it hard to believe that Evan Fournier would be included in this potential deal. He's owed $37 million over the next two seasons, then has a team option in 24-25 and has really struggled during his first season in New York, living up to the contract he signed in free agency, which is pretty similar to Powell's. Julius Randle surely wouldn't be in included in a potential trade with the Knicks either, as much as Portland would like to get their hands on him despite his struggles to replicate his breakout season uh, last year without without fans in the stands. However, a hypothetical trade idea for McCollum to the Knicks. How about Obi Toppin, Alec Burks, and Derek Rose for CJ McCollum and CJ Ellaby? Toppin was a number eight overall pick in 2020, and he definitely has not retained that value uh, despite despite being a, emerging as a fan favorite in New York City. He's shooting just 23% from three. He's a good transition player and a good cutter, but he's stuck between the four and the five, and isn't a, isn't a defender at either position. And if he's not going to shoot threes, his offensive value is pretty much just limited to transition and being a pick and roll dive man crushing lobs. Um, so again, this acquiring Toppin would be an upside play for Portland, though it would be somewhat limited. Um, and that, that may be why the Knicks could want to include him in a potential deal for McCollum. Now, Burks is having a down year. He's shooting an ugly 36.5% on twos, but still nearly 40% from three. And his talents with the ball and his improvements as a shooter over the last few years make him a very viable bench guard, especially at $10 million next season, and then a $10.5 million team option for 2023-24. That's a pretty attractive contract in a vacuum. Rose is included in this framework for salary reasons. He's at $14.5 million next year, then has a team option on his deal. He could be good, good trade bait this summer. He's been an absolutely impactful player for the Knicks when he's been healthy. Tom Thibodeau obviously loves him, uh, but Derek Rose is right now recovering from surgery on his right ankle. Um, again, the main justification of this deal would be getting Obi Toppin as an asset. You'd get Bird Rights and Alec Burks, and then some additional financial flexibility with Rose and Burks having team options. However, this deal could be tough to complete without Rose or a third team, considering Portland doesn't want Fournier. And we all know how much Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks fan base loves Derrick Rose. Uh, if he has to be included in a potential McCollum deal, that may turn the Knicks off, even if it would ultimately make them better. Another team that has been frequently mentioned, perhaps most frequently mentioned as a suitor for McCollum, is the New Orleans Pelicans. 
Both Stein and Michael Scotto of Hoopsype report that. Um, and Stein also reports that Jonas Felins Unis and standout rookie defender Herb Jones are off limits in any in any trades for the Pelicans at the deadline. Valencia Unis had previously been mentioned in a potential package for McCollum along with Josh Hart. Now, how about this how about this hypothetical framework? Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, and Thomas Sadoransky for C.J. McCollum and C.J. Ellaby. Josh Hart is getting to the rim more than ever this season. He's an awesome rebounder, a versatile defender, even if not a lockdown guy at any position. Um, he's somewhat similar to Nas in that regard, but again, just a little bit more perimeter-oriented. You could certainly see the Blazers rolling out lineups with both Little and Hart at 3-4, and four, um, and then a, and a versatile athletic center they could potentially bring in. That could potentially be attractive. But what really makes Hart attractive is he has a $12.9 million non-guaranteed contract next season, then a player option at the same amount. That's a unique contract that any team, especially the Blazers, would love to get their hands on uh, because they would have Hart's bird rights as well. The Blazers could certainly afford to take a flyer on Hayes. He could be that athletic center previously mentioned. Certainly haven't hasn't lived up to his draft position, but he has been improving of late. 11.3 points per game for Hayes on 73.6% shooting. I started laughing there looking at my notes. Thought it might be wrong. 73% shooting, 73.6% shooting for Hayes. In January, he's an elite athlete at 7 feet, extremely quick feet. Great leaper off both one and two feet, very fast in a straight line. And he actually has some theoretical shooting potential, too. He's taken 23 threes this season, made seven of them, and has in shooting 76% from the line. Sadoransky just included here just his expiring contract, um, or excuse me, for salary matching purposes, and he's also an expiring contract. Portland would have his bird rights, and he could potentially be attractive uh, to re-sign if the money was right, just given his size and experience. Now, what's the major justification for this deal? Getting more wing depth, getting more wing depth, wing depth getting an a dose of rim pressure and some more stylistic versatility with Hart, um, who could be a long-term piece on the wing, and then getting Jackson Hayes as a flyer and as a lob threat and potential switch defender. That's uh, that's something the Blazers really haven't had in a while. But again, this could back this could come back to each team's respective valuation of McCollum. Would the Pelicans, who are have so many picks as a result of the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday trades? Could they be convinced to include Milwaukee's 2024 first-rounder in this deal, for instance? If so, that's a deal Portland absolutely cannot pass up, but it would not But it would not at all be surprising if David Griffin drove a harder bargain than that. Driving a harder bargain, almost certainly, is another team mentioned as a potential suitor for McCollum, and this is from Michael Scotto of Hoopsype, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. Now, it's tough for the Mavericks to get matching salaries without including Tim Hardaway Jr., and Portland has no interest in paying Hardaway $53 million through 2024-25 after just trading Norm. Trade idea here, Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock, Josh Green, Dwight Powell, and Frank Nilakina for C.J. McCollum and C.J. Elby, and then the Blazers would have to, have to make some roster moves to free up uh, additional roster slots. Would that be enough for Portland? Bullock's having a down year. He's already 30, and he has $10.5 million on his deal next season, then $5.5 million guaranteed 2023-24. 
He's been hot of late with three threes in each of his last six games and is certainly good enough to be a qual- to be in a quality team's rotation on the wing. Josh Green is a good athlete, sophomore. He's active, he's a disruptive defender on the wing, solid overall feel with the ball. The problem with Green, just like it is every potential 3 and D player, is that the three part <laughs> hasn't quite materialized. That's a, it's a very common thing, uh, a very common deficiency for players of Green's profile. He is shooting four of 23 from three this season, and he's a bad free, free throw shooter. And then also, like Keon Johnson, unfortunately, he's more of a 2-3 than, than a 3-4, just kind of uh, diminishing his value a little bit and Dallas also may not want to give him up considering he's cost controlled and they will only get more expensive here going forward but even if that was enough for Portland would Dallas do it the Mavericks have turned it around of late Dwight Powell is an organizational pillar and they obviously need all the wing depth they can get to try and make some noise in the Western Conference playoffs this season now there's a chance that Jalen Brunson's foray into restricted free agency is scaring them off. He's due a massive payday. Maybe they want to lock in more of a, more of a score next to Luca. CJ McCollum could potentially, potentially take Brunson's place in Dallas's organizational pecking order. But again, any trade between Dallas and Portland involving McCollum seems quite unlikely given salary matching issues, lack of positive assets going back to Portland. And again, Dallas just needing wing depth to compete in the West and not wanting to rock the boat after they've finally, finally figured it out here over the last few weeks. Another unlikely potential trade for McCollum involves the Atlanta Hawks. Chris Chris Kirshner of The Athletic reports that Atlanta has, has interest in McCollum. Now, obviously, there are major fit concerns with McCollum next to Trey Young in Atlanta's backcourt. That would be an even worse perimeter defense than Portland's over the last several years. And I also find it hard to believe Atlanta would want to lock in Trey Young, CJ McCollum, John Collins, and Kevin Herter for 110 to 110, excuse me, 110 to 115 million dollars worth of cap space over the, or I'm sorry, worth of salary over the next two seasons. Regardless, a hypothetical trade idea. Rookie Jalen Johnson, Danilo Gallinari, and Gordy Jang for CJ McCollum. And again, the Blazers would have to make some associated roster moves. Johnson's the prize here, Jalen Johnson at a Duke. Very intriguing forward. He showed out in summer league and really showed he was underdrafted. He has perimeter skills plus the potential ability to play small ball five and switch onto smaller players. He was a top 10 recruit and again, just the type of long-term forward prospect every single team in the NBA would love to have. Gallinari at $20.5 million next season is obviously overpaid, but the, but he could sop up some minutes and some usage with the Blazers' second unit and potentially uh, be an attractive salary matching piece down the line. And then Gordy Jang is also included for salary matching purposes here as well. This is actually among the hypothetical deals for Portland that I've come up with here that I like most. And it's mostly just due to just getting Johnson and get getting Johnson. He is the type of piece the Blazers would love to have. Um, he's even a more intriguing prospect than John, than, excuse me, Keon Johnson, really. Uh, the, the rookie, the Blazers just acquired if, if Jalen Johnson, for instance, had come back in that Clippers trade, I think you'd see Portland fans be much, much happier about that return they got from the Clippers. Um, and then Gallinari again is, is a useful piece on both the second unit and as a potential and as potential trade bait next season. 
today's Monday, Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern is when the trade deadline expires. There's bound to be more happening with the Blazers between now and then. And we're hoping, and no offense to C.J. McCollum, he's been an absolutely stellar, productive player since uh, since since he was drafted by the Blazers in 2013. And if he if Damian Lillard wasn't his most highest wasn't his highest paid teammate. Like his his reputation league wide really may be a lot better if CJ had just been his team's primary playmaker offensively instead of having to share the load with Dame over the last seven or eight years his reputation really could be better but that's not how it went and the Blazers instead of making real noise and perhaps competing for a title had to settle for settle I'm using using air quotes for eight consecutive trips to the postseason CJ obviously played a huge part in all that success and you could forget that. Game seven in the Western Conference semifinals against the Denver Nuggets in 2019. Absolutely epic, instant classic stuff from McCollum. But the Blazers are entering a new era, and it seems like they're finally ready to consider trading CJ. Maybe to even do more than consider trading CJ. Maybe they will actually do it leading up to Thursday before Thursday. We will certainly be covering all of that action, everything regarding CJ, everything regarding the Blazers leading up to the trade deadline at Clutch Points. You can find all my work there and on Twitter at Armstrong Winter. Until next week, when we will discuss the Blazers' post-trade deadline plans and what they look like, this is Talking Trailblazers. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe.